Christy, what is going on? We've already been talking for a little bit, so this is like an awkward intro because it's like, ooh, we got to be all profesh. We're on air now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, you know. I feel like I don't get to see you enough anymore because I've seen you all the time when we both work together and now we work separately. Um, are you in your 30s yet? Yeah, I am actually coming up on 31 in April. Holy cow. So you, yep, you've done one year in your 30s. How how was it to be, uh, to go from the 20s to 30s for you? For me, I thought it was going to be like this awful thing where I was like, Oh my God, I'm turning 30. This is terrible. And I did it during, uh, like the COVID lockdown, like 2020 is when I turned 30 and it was like, Nope, no parties, no nothing. No one can come over, forget your dirty 30. And it's almost like I forgot that I turned 30. And then it was recently I was talking with Lacey and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be 31. She's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. She's like, no, you're turning 33 this year. I was like, Holy shit. Oh my God. So like your whole two years of COVID life had just like disappeared from your mind. Right. You know, that that's funny. So, you know, going from 29 to 30 to me, surprisingly, wasn't like a big deal. My big deal birthday was when I went from 24 to 25. Oh, like, really? I remember sitting in Smith's parking lot waiting for all of you guys come to coffee, right? on my birthday and I like literally just sat and I bawled. I was like, Oh my God, I am halfway to 50. I am so fucking old. Like I like legit had this full mini breakdown and like my whole day was ruined. You know, everybody's like, happy birthday. And I was like, thanks. Like I was like that Karen that day. Right. Like I didn't want people to know it was my birthday. Like I didn't want to be 25. Like I just, I guess I want to be stuck being 24. I don't know. <laughs> It was a bad birthday for me, totally bad. And maybe now, because, you know, fast forward the five years, like now I'm living with Rich, who was much older than me. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not that bad. I mean, it could be worse. I could be his age, you know. <laughs> I mean, I will eventually, but as of right now, it doesn't seem so bad. So uh, yeah, that that's one blessing that I think that uh, both of us get, because we work in an industry where... Um, the majority of our um, co-workers are a bit older than us. I would say the majority, like if you were to take the median age of school bus driver, it's got to be like 55, like around there. Yeah. And well, it's like a retirement job. Yeah, for sure. But it's slowly, be it, it is, but it isn't. You know what I mean? Because I know so many people that aren't retired that are driving bus. Um, right. I don't know how they survive. Some of them, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a rough, uh, I mean, it's a, don't get me wrong. It has its perks. It's a great job, but money is not one of them, but that's, that goes yeah. for any civil servant job. You know, money is not what you do it for. Um, I was just talking on my previous episode, I had a uh, dispatcher on who I had to, I had to actually delete the episode because, um, I guess there was some policy that came to fruition where she can't be on podcasts or something and so like <laughs> she was almost facing like a, a reprimand or whatever so she like what? yeah she messaged me <laughs> and she's like um i'm so sorry and i loved the podcast like we it was really good we went for like two and a half hours just talking about all this interesting stuff and she's like can you delete that so i don't lose my job <laughs> it was like Oh, it's oh such a good God. episode, but I didn't want her to lose her job either. 
<laughs> right. Like, can I just put that in the vault until you don't work there anymore? And then I can like air all the dirty laundry out. <laughs> and and she didn't even talk any dirty, uh, dirty laundry. And I don't know if it was, she might've been a little paranoid, which I can totally get in today's, you know, workforce and day and age, because right. it seems like we all have to tiptoe around and be like, like, I never openly say where I work on this podcast. Cause obviously I drop F bombs and this and that. And my language isn't the cleanest, but I'm not super worried about like repercussions from work. But some people are like, they won't they won't say a thing about their job because they could lose them. And so right. I, I understand where she was coming from. But I was like, damn, that was a good podcast. And we had such good, uh, good insight into your job. And she's like, well, I can do it again with you, but I'll have to remain anonymous. And I can't name my work location. I'm like, I'm in Utah. There's only two dispatch places in Salt Lake <laughs> County. Yeah, it's 50, not hard. 50. Yeah. So we'll see if I can get her back on again to redo it. But I also hate doing podcasts over again. I've done them before where you've lost the file. And it's like, well, we'll just try it again. And then it's like, oh, it, it's not natural. It doesn't flow. It's like, oh, we're talking right. about the same stuff. And we're going to try and act as surprised as right. we were in the first episode. <laughs> so I don't know. But like, it's so weird this day and age that we're living in where you can become a internet sensation overnight when you weren't before there's like that cop in tennessee have you seen how famous she's become no oh, just... i like live under a rock <laughs> like <laughs> i really do like i go on my facebook and i scroll through stuff like five minutes you know while i'm in bed yeah but other than that like i don't watch the news because i hate how negative it is you know i'm always like i tell my husband i'm like will you wake me up if it's snowing so I can like leave for work early. Like that is, because this thing it's like, I don't know. I just hate the negative. And, and like, we're kind of talking about like people are so easily offended that, that it pisses me off. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, we're going to take that song away because 20 years ago, like it was okay. And now like the Katy Perry and the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, like now it's a huge thing because the pod or the documentary came out on Netflix. Yeah. So I just like get so pissed. I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. So. What's up with the cop? Because oh. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this uh, police officer in Tennessee that I think was in Tennessee. Um, she ended up, she was very sexually explicit with her uh, other officers while on duty. And let's, so the memes are just like spectacular. Like there's this video of her riding a bowl, like one of those mechanical bowls. And it's like, this ain't her first right. rodeo. <laughs> just like, I'm like, I feel so bad because I'm like, yeah, what she did is super like unprofessional and stuff, but I'm like, now you've just be become that for the rest of your life. <laughs> like right. you are well, a meme. So the only way you get out of this is you become like the catch me outside girl or whatever that was on, uh, <laughs> that she made millions. Yes. Everyone thought she was going to like yes. become a loser. Now she's got like an OnlyFans and makes so much money. I know, she makes a ton of money. <laughs> so maybe it's, the, so, it's ridiculous. Maybe this cop ends up doing that. Maybe she just goes and gets an OnlyFans and ends up like, why did I do this sooner? But yeah, just the memes well, right now I are mean, great. That she could like get a big old banner or poster printed and they can stick it inside the bars that have like the, mechanical bowls and, <laughs> I don't know, she could advertise. I'm sure she can make like this great life out of it. I don't know why she's worried. Oh, no <laughs> kidding. And, but I mean, you can, you, you can become such a 
a celebrity overnight in the very wrong way. <laughs> like we're all, right. not all of us, but a lot of people are striving to become famous and popular through social media and all that. And then some people that just want to skate by actually end up becoming uh, popular and famous for the reasons they don't want to be. Yeah. Um, we even had a driver just recently. Um, I was talking with one of our uh, principals and they're like, yeah, he's a TikTok sensation right now within the local community. And I've got parents calling me because if if you pull over and do any disciplinary stuff on the bus, period, you better do it professionally because you are on five cameras from kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to be on TikTok. You're going to be on Snapchat. You're going to yeah, be you're, on you're YouTube. Everywhere. Like, yeah, it's going to be recorded and blasted all over. I know. I'm, I'm sure I'm on all those platforms and I'm sure you are anyone that works in public service you you get on <laughs> there some sometime in your career um and yeah and like you're saying everyone gets offended by everything Jamie Lee Curtis just got a big backlash she posted like some photos of her office like she had this office set up and I don't know why she posted these photos and then she had a piece of art like hanging on her wall in the background and it was like a kid in like a makeshift tote and I think it was like full of water like it was like a bathtub or something mm -hmm. super like weird artistic vibe going on but nothing to me that would have been like predatory or child sexual stuff at all but the internet just blew up on her and and then she did what you shouldn't have done she deleted and let the woke mob run her into the ground you know and oh yeah yeah so she's facing like a bunch of backlash and it's like it's just a piece of art. It's not like, yeah, is it something I would put on my wall? No, but I don't see what you guys are getting at. And I think that's... Well, you would see like, I don't know. Well, like back in the 90s, I mean, there were, I mean, you could go in, you can go into any antique store nowadays and you find those pictures of like kids in those metal bin bathtubs and stuff. Yeah, you know and like I the mean? milk bath or whatever yeah and i mean yeah. this one wasn't as innocent as that but i some of the comments i was reading were like oh god child sex trafficking and all this stuff and i was like i'm not getting that you guys are digging really deep that actually makes me worry about your psyche where's your yeah, brain no at? Kidding. yeah um but then it's nice to see some people coming to her defense and being like you guys are taking this uh fully out of uh context and i think i think we're getting to a point to where maybe in society the pendulum's kind of swinging back to the middle to where everyone won't get offended by every little thing out there because it seems like for the past two three years that's how it's been but i mean i i got canceled not canceled i'm not i you have to be famous to get canceled but i had a girl <laughs> um who i was friends with on facebook who when all the joy uh george floyd stuff was going on she uh mm -hmm. she lit me up i went to her facebook and um she had shared this video of this officer involved shooting and all i said was we should probably wait till the whole investigation is concluded till we pass judgment on either side right and i was this racist she was going to contact the school district and get me fired and <laughs> she like oh all of gosh. this stuff started messaging and then i i got like some of her friends messaging me and like, oh, you piece of shit. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys are crazy. So I had to block them all. But 
I don't know. Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy how easy it is to be like a keyboard ninja. You know, like you're so big, bad behind the screen. Like you can sit there and talk so much shit. But then it's like, yeah, I who call, are you really? Right. I call them like social arm chair warriors because they're like just sitting in their couches <laughs> and <laughs> stuff. And yeah. And it's like, get out there and actually, you know, make a difference in the world. Go do something good for people. Don't just sit here and you know, fight everything online. The other one that really pisses me off is when people do that. Um, they're uh, really into uh, like the charity type stuff, but they'll like videotape their charity. You know what I mean? Like they'll be like, I'm going to give $500 yeah. to this homeless guy and like goes up, makes a video of it. And it's like, oh, now everyone, oh, look how nice this guy is. And it's like, yeah, look, look at me. Yeah. He's only given that guy that 500 bucks for the views for the and, and the attention that yeah. he's going to get. And he's going to garner so much more money on the back end mm-hmm. from YouTube and all that stuff by monetizing this crap. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why don't you do it I out of your, people, the kindness of your of the heart? The goodness of your heart? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I like, I want to think, I know, I know there's still a lot of people that are like that, you know, they'll go out of their way to, to do kind things to people who are in need. But it just takes the whole like sensitive, like feel good from that person when people are doing it on camera, you know, for the attention because they're mm-hmm. not doing it for the right thing. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think we're, I think the majority of us are all in the middle on this culture war and everything. And then we have two little small sections on the left and on the right that are so loud that it makes it seem like everyone's that way. But in reality, I think there's so many more of us in the middle. Um, But I I digress from the main topic that I brought you on here for. (laughs) Um, You are in an interesting predicament because you are someone who suffers from a chronic illness. And you're also, although you're 30, you're getting older. (laughs) You're still- I know, don't say that. You're still pretty young. And when you were diagnosed with this, you were actually quite young. What age were you uh, diagnosed with your um, ailment? Uh, 22. You were 22. And the ailment you have is? Uh, Multiple sclerosis, so MS. And that, I don't think a lot of people understand what MS is. I know that I, for the longest time, thought I had MS because I'm a hypochondriac, self-admittedly. And I was like, oh, I have MS. Uh." But I've also (laughs) thought I've had this disease, that disease, that disease. Um, How did you, like, what were your uh, first symptoms when you started noticing this MS coming on? You know, so my very first symptom was my right foot had just went numb. And it's just like, you know, you sit on your foot too long in a wrong position, like your foot's numb, right? That's all it was, you know? And then every once in a while, I'd get like those tingle needle feels, like you're getting your feeling back. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I always sit with my legs crossed weird. And so, I mean, it wasn't anything like that wasn't normal for me at the time, or it was normal for me at the time, you know? And I mean, I kind of just forgot, I mean... I would be driving my truck, you know, I'd be stopped at a red light and I would like glance over and I'm like, where's this car going? The light's red. But it was me lifting my pressure off of my brake pedal and moving forward because I didn't have the feeling in my foot. Right. And 
I mean, it was, it was like that for probably about a month, but that was it. Like that was the only symptom other than I would come home from work and I would sleep. But in our line of work, you know, we're up at what, five, five thirty in the morning getting kids and stuff. So I'm like going home and taking a nap was also a normal thing for me to do. And it wasn't until me and my ex were getting ready to go on a date. Right. And so my dad comes over to our house and he's at this time I had Olivia, my daughter, she was a baby, right? Mm -hmm. She was just a couple months old. And, um, he was like, Oh my God, what's wrong with your face? And I'm like, what the hell? Like, why would you say that? Like, that's so rude. You this know? is your ex like, or your, uh, no, this, this your was dad. my dad. Okay. This was my dad. He came in to, to get my daughter to babysit her so we could go out on our date. Okay. And he was like, he was like, Oh my God, what's wrong with your face? And I'm like, that is so rude. And he was like, no, for real, like, have you looked in the mirror today? And I'm like, no, I didn't have my hair done. I didn't have my makeup done. Like I was still in my sweatpants. So no, I'm like, I mean, I brushed my teeth. I didn't, I don't wash my watch myself brush my teeth in the mirror, you know? So I was like, no. And he was like, go look in the mirror. And so I looked in the mirror and he was like, smile. Well, the whole right side of my face was not like responsive, you know? So I like had a droopy smile, like my eye was a little droopy. So we have heart issues that run in our family. So he thought that I actually had a stroke. Yeah. Cause that's a classic stroke symptom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, it runs in my family. I have a cousin who had a stroke at 17 because she had a hole in her heart, Oh wow! you know? And so he was like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no dad, it's fine. Like, you know, I don't want to miss this movie. And it was so stupid. Like we were going to see like 50 shades of gray. Like it was like <laughs> the dumbest movie, you know? Um, but it was around Valentine's day. So I was like, no, like we have this baby. Like we don't get to go out very often anymore. Like I am not going to the hospital. We're going on this date, you know? And he was like, no bullshit. He's like, get in my truck. Like, I'm taking you to the hospital. And between like the droopiness of my face and the numbness in my foot, that was it really. Like those are the only two symptoms that I really had. And did you ever connect those when the droopiness of the face came on? Did you connect? Oh, maybe this has something to do with my foot or you were just like, hmm, well, let's go get this no. checked out. And yeah, yeah, I was like, Jesus, like, if we're going to go to the hospital. Let's get this shit done with. Because if I miss my movie, I'm going to be pissed. Like, I, that was literally what was going on in my mind. Dude, that's that's so funny. And I got to give you props because I am the total opposite of what you are in uh, when it comes to, like, how we deal with stress with health. You're like, you don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't. And I still don't. And it's not a good thing. I tell you, like, especially raising a kid. I'm like, don't grow up like me, please. I'm like, Jesus, help us all. Like we can't, there can't be two of me in this world. Right. They just can't. <laughs> they yeah. can't handle it. Yeah. You don't worry about anything with your health in the fact of like stressing about it. Um, and me, I would have been like, I want, a neuro team ready for me at the hospital immediately upon my arrival. ETA three minutes. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I can't miss Fifty Shades of Grey. I know Fifty Shades of Grey is stupid as that, but I was so mad. And I remember like I had bought like these like stripper boots. Like they were like big heeled, like black leather boots. And I was like so excited to wear them because I bought them for this date, right? Yeah. And so like 
walk into the hospital with like my ripped jeans and my stripper boots and I'm like these guys probably think I'm like ready to go work the corner you know <laughs> like that's like you want to change your shoes I'm like no I don't like, oh I my bought God. them for today and I'm gonna wear them like it was so you must yeah, have planned on getting out of the hospital like immediately after you showed up like maybe run yeah, a few like, tests yeah like you know how the ER is I mean you're usually there for a couple of hours but I'm just like I come my down like it's nothing like I mean, in my mind, I was like, I don't know why my face is droopy. I'm like, I get told all the time, like, I'm ugly by my brothers. I was like, it's just what it is at this point, you know? I'm like, I'll just get some Botox, get it fixed. You know, no, no biggie. <laughs> no. So, yeah, so when I got to the hospital, you know, they they did blood work and, you know, that came back normal. And then they're like, all right, well, we need to do an MRI. But this was like when this local hospital, like, had just barely opened. And they only had one MRI machine. And so they were like, so we're going to transfer you down to Murray, you know, because that's like where the big main hospital is. And oh, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to drive. And they're like, no, we're bringing an ambulance. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I'm going to drive my truck to the hospital. And they're like, no, you need to go in the ambulance. And I'm like, I'm not getting in that damn ambulance. Like, it's a $3,000 ride for me. Like, oh, yeah. I am more than happy to take my truck over to the hospital. And surprisingly, like. I was so stubborn about it. They let me drive to the hospital. Really? They were like, they were like, we're giving you 45 minutes. Like, stop by your house, get some overnight clothes. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm going to miss my goddamn movie. Like, I was pissed. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, fuck this. I'm not going to my house. They're like, we're going to call the hospital in 45 minutes to make sure you got there. If not, we're sending the police to alert for you. And I'm like, just get this shit done. Yeah. You know? So I show up to the hospital. I didn't have my phone charger, which as the night progressed i was pissed because my phone was dying and i'm like why am i still here like there's nothing wrong with me mm -hmm. and i spent a week in the hospital they just ran test after test after test and yeah it was, i was pissed i missed my movie <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's not the fact that you spent a week in the hospital getting all these tests ran it was the fact that you missed the movie and did, didn't get to wear your outfit that you had planned that night oh no i wore my outfit i just wore it to the hospital <laughs> <laughs> my dad was like are you sure you want to wear that i'm like yeah am i gonna be here long no was i wrong i was there for seven days yeah i remember i got a text message from you and you were kind of not so nonchalant about it as well you were like um i'm I might not be at work tomorrow. I'm going oh, yeah. to the hospital. They think I might be having a stroke. So then I called you and you're like, oh, I don't know, man. It's all screwed up. And I'm like, how yeah, are like, you these, so calm? Yeah, <laughs> so you're in there for a week getting poked and prodded and everything. And then they finally come back with this diagnosis of, hey, you got MS. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like right away. Um, you know, I spent the week in the hospital and it, I'm pretty sure like the life flight team was so sick of seeing me because my veins are so bad that like the phlebotomist can find my veins. And so they would always have to call in like the life flight nurses to get like the little vein scanner oh, to really? find my veins. Right. So they like pretty much stayed like right on the floor for a whole week. I'm pretty sure they were so happy when I left, but um, <laughs> did you get a separate charge for that on your hospital bill? Life flight team vein find. <laughs> I know, right? Um, honestly, I don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure I spent like $250 for being in the hospital for a week because we had like really good insurance. Oh, wow. And it's the same thing. Like, I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't give a shit. I'll like get my insurance summaries and I'm like, all right. I'm just 
insurance will kick in. Like I never, cause it makes me so mad how expensive stuff is. Like oh, yeah. medical care is so expensive that I'm like, I don't even want to look at it. Yeah, no so. joke. Cause some people, I mean, like you're talking a lot of health insurance doesn't cover like an ambulance bill or something like that. And those yeah. are so expensive. I remember mine for, it was under a mile cost me 1200 bucks. I believe it. And, and that's I, the thing. It, and then they always go back to like, well, you didn't get pre-approval. And it's like, yeah, let me call you and see if I am pre-approved <laughs> to take a ride in this ambulance because it's just what I want to do. Yeah, no kidding. It's stupid. Wow. So they they do all these tests. You get diagnosed with MS. Does that affect you at all at that age of 22? Are you like, oh, my God, my life is over? Or were you just pretty calm about it? So yes and no. Like, So when they released me from the hospital they didn't have any other tests that they could run. Right. And so they were like, so you, there's a possibility that you could have MS. There's a possibility. They like said, I, there's a possibility I could have like four or five different things. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like this isn't going to happen to me. You know, like you never think it's going to happen to you. Right. And so they're like, you know, um, in the meantime, you know, we want you to, if you have any symptoms that come back, like, I want you to be right back here. I'm like, All right. So then it was like two or three days that had passed. And I got a call from, um, it's like a, an MS, like specialty clinic. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, um, we're calling because whatever the doctor's name was at the hospital, like, they are sending us to, to get you to come to our clinic. And I was like, why? And they were like, well, like to get your MS treatment. I'm like, I ain't got MS. I'm like, they flat out told me like they didn't know what the issue was. I'm like, no. And then, so I was like in total denial of it, you mm-hmm. know, but, and then a couple of days later, like the hospital doctor had reached out to me and they're like, you know what, going over your tests, like we're positive. We're like, we're 95% positive that, you know, like you have MS we're not sure what kind of MS because there's like relapsing MS and you know, I'm not sure what the other one is, but it's, it's just like a one-time deal is mm-hmm. what the other one is. Right. And they were like, so we want you to, you know, get treatment for it as soon as possible. And I was like, no, because that's not what, it, that's not what's wrong with me. You know, like, I mean, you know, I'm like, no, it's fine. I think like, you- I got feeling I think you literally could have your hand cut off and you'd be like, nope, <laughs> it's there. It'll grow back. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I can still feel it. It's okay. Like that phantom feeling. Yeah, thing, right. You know? like, it's fine. I'll just use my other one. So you, for a reason. You're straight up in denial about having MS and you have this MS clinic calling yeah. you and everything trying to set up <laughs> yeah, treatment. Daily. Daily they were calling me and I'm like, no. And I like, got to the point where, like I was rejecting them. They were like leaving me voicemails every day and I'm like, Holy shit, leave me alone. And right? at, at this time, and, are, do you have, uh, are you still having symptoms of things going on or did your face droop no, come back? No. And still to this day, like I have not had face droop. Okay. So fast forward eight years, you yeah. know, um, it will be actually eight years that I was diagnosed next month. Um, but I've never had my face droop. Um, I mean, my feeling in my foot never came back a hundred percent. Um, some days it's worse than others, but it's just, you know what it is. It's actually funny. Cause I'll start dragging my foot and I'm like, Oh, like my right shoe, like always gets holes in it for me dragging my foot. And it's like, it's fine. Whatever. Oh, wow. Buying another pair of shoes. <laughs> like it's bad. <laughs> but, um, so the insurance that I had at the time, 
they had a free service that was like a second opinion doctor. And so uh, the last time I talked to this MS clinic, they were like, if you really don't think you have it, because they're like, we're going to call you every day yeah, until you come in here. So they were like, if you really don't think you have it and you want to be clear from us calling you every day, reach out to a second opinion doctor. And if they come back and rule that they think that your diagnosis is incorrect, then we'll stop bothering you. And I'm like, okay, deal. Right. So I reach out to these doctors and I remember it took them from February all the way to November because they went through all of my medical history. Like, from when I was like a little kid all oh, the way really? up to that time, right? Wow. They like fine combed, went through all my medical history. And they were like, I remember the day before Thanksgiving, I was at my dad's office and I was working for him. And I got a phone call. And of course I didn't answer it because I I don't even know why I have a phone. I never answer it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so so they were like, Hey, we sent you an email with the results from your second opinion. If you know, if you want to go over it, if you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out to us. And so I'm like, all right. So I like hurry up and log into my email. And the results came back that they um, agreed to me having MS. And then that is when I was like, holy shit, my life is over. Like, that's when it like finally hit me like, oh my God, like, maybe it's not okay. You know? And the thing is, is like, I mean, I have a cousin who has MS and I know people that are like extended family that have it. Mm-hmm. So I was like aware of what it has done to them. Like I was terrified, like absolutely terrified. I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to be wheelchair bound. I'm not going to be able to play softball anymore. Like I'm not going to be able to do my football games on Sundays. Like I can't ride my four wheelers or dirt bikes. Like all of these things just like came through my head and I was like, wait. Like, am I going to be alive to see my kid graduate high school now? Like, it was just like all these life scenarios, like going through my head of what I am now going to miss or like, you know, I'm not going to have function in my legs anymore. It was, it was bad. Like that was a really like hard time for me. Like Thanksgiving. And I did, I didn't tell anybody because I was like, I didn't even tell my parents. Like I did not tell them that I got my results back from my second opinion doctor. I didn't tell my ex. Like I kept it to myself for probably a month and a half. Really? Because I was just like, what is going on? Maybe I told you. Yeah, I think you told me. I think I told you at work. Yeah. You were like, I remember you saying, okay, it's pretty concrete that I have MS now, but I don't, you you had told me don't let it get around and stuff. And I'm not someone to go... Right. Well, that's the, I was like, I always came to you with everything. I'm like, oh my God, Marcus, I got to tell somebody. And I know you're not the type of person to like, go tell everybody. Like you wouldn't tell anybody anything when I told you, like, don't tell anybody. Yeah, no, you know? there, there are certain people in this world that you definitely know you can trust. And then there are others that you think you can trust. And then all of a sudden the story gets back to you and it's like, looks, looks like I can't trust them anymore. You know? <laughs> like, well, I say shit to you no more. Yeah. <laughs> but well, so these yeah. floodgates open of all these possibilities of being wheelchair bound, uh, an early death, not being able to see your uh, daughter grow up and things of that nature. That's got to be devastating because one, you're a mother. Two, you're a huge like outdoor sporting, mm-hmm. you know, you're one of those, you're one of those girls that is like hanging with the boys all the time. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, I mean, I grew up with four brothers. Being around the boys, like, that's that's all I know. You yeah. Know? Like, and the girls I do hang around with, like, they have to be, like, 
a bro girl, you know, like they can't be like, Oh my God, I broke my nail or like, no, like you gotta, you gotta have that personality. Like you don't have to, like, you're not afraid to get dirty. Like you said, you know, like mm-hmm. I, yeah. So, so was there a moment when you actually kind of clicked into calm again, that it was like, maybe it's not the end. Was it when you went and talked to a doctor or something or. Kind of. So I like legit had like a midlife crisis, right? Like I was at, uh, that's at even 23 for, at, at 22, man. Like, <laughs> I did, Cause I was like convinced I was not going to live past 40. Okay. Right. I was like, I'm like, fuck it. Like I'm not going to live past 40. So yeah. Like, you know, like let me get the, the things that I want to do. Like, let me do them now because time's not guaranteed. But, and that's the thing, like it took me a while to realize like time isn't guaranteed for anybody. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and so that was when I went out and I bought my truck, you know, I was like, I've always wanted a big old monster truck looking thing, you know? And so I traded my white truck in. I got my big blue truck and I got rid of, well, I got rid of my four wheeler, my dirt bike to get my truck first off because. And I want to put this into context for people real quick about this big truck. My big monster truck. She ain't joking. (laughs) I think the truck, the tires on her truck cost more than my car <laughs> yeah well they were big tires like i mean i ran 38 inch tires and they were great like but the one thing that would always make me so mad like when i go to the i would always stop at this holiday before my softball games right mm-hmm. i always go get a case of beer right and they were like so um you must have a pretty cool boyfriend to let you drive the truck all the time and i'm like do you not see the glittery license plate cover on it? Do you not see my puka shells hanging up? Like, I'm not putting a big pink sticker on it because pink sucks, but like, there's glitter all over it. Like, ooh, that would make that was like my biggest pet peeve. Like, you motherfucker. Like, I work hard for my truck, okay? Yeah. And I'm not going to be able to climb into it anytime. Like, I give it five years and I won't be able to climb into it. So just shut up. Like, I get so mad, but. So, yep, I'm so that was one of the midlife crisis things at 22, 23 is you bought a big Dodge yep. truck. Was there anything else that you started doing or you were just planning on, you know, this is it. I got till 25. Dude, you know, I partied hard, like only on the weekends though. Yeah. Like, you know, I would, I worked my job Monday through Friday. I was like this good, like goody good little bus driver trainer whatever hanging out with marcus every day you know and then like and then like i would get home from the weekends and i'm like yeah let's go let's go to the bar like let's go ride the mechanical bull let's go let's go pre-game hardcore in the parking lot like let's go streaking like i'm telling you like my boundaries i had none like it's kind of embarrassing to talk about now now that i look back on it but i'm just like you know what like I want to have those crazy stories because growing up, like when I was in high school, like I didn't do anything crazy, you know what I mean? Other than sloughing class or ditching class, like I wasn't going out and partying and like doing all the things. So then I was like, okay, you know, and so I kind of like went off the rails for a minute, but. No, and I think that's, I think that's kind of a common thing with a lot of people who get, um, get a like approached with with that um scenario and i mean you don't know because ms as far as i know is it has such a wide range of uh different effects that it does to different people like some people it's Mm -hmm. debilitating other people uh like yourself 
um, can live somewhat a normal life. I mean, there's obviously, and we'll get into it, all the other things that affect you from it, but I don't necessarily say that's a bad thing because, I mean, I think about my early 20s, what I was doing, I did a lot of stupid stuff that I'm like, man, why did I do that? And then if I was diagnosed with a, a disease that had the potential to basically take me out, I probably would have went even harder on and been stupid. <laughs> right? So I, I well, totally I understand like, that. Well, I was like trying to find that, that fine line, you know, like, obviously like I did, I do have a kid, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was like, I still need to be like that mother figure and spend valuable time with her. And so, you know, like we would always go out, like we'd go hiking and like we'd go camping and then on the weekends, cause you know, it was always cool to go to, to her grandma's house cause grandma's a sucker and gives her whatever she wants. <laughs> and so she would, my mom would come over and she's like, she's like, you want to go spend the weekend at grandma's? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, peace like bar hopping it is like <laughs> you know so i just want to let like i wasn't just leaving my kid alone all the time like you know she chose to go to grandma's house but no I and mean, i would never I think was, that of how uh, i've seen your how i've seen you interact with your kid and your kid interact with you right and then but then on top of like being diagnosed with the ms then it was like my ex he would always be like well it looks like you're stuck with me because nobody wants to love somebody who's deceased really? and so yeah he said so that he would always you? like oh absolutely like he would say it to me almost on a night like a daily it was like a daily occurrence you know and so that was probably another reason why i'm like you know what? like fuck you like i'm gonna go to the bar you know and i'm gonna go flirt with the guys and because i'm like these people don't know my my story mm -hmm. you know and as of right now like i look normal yeah you know and so i think some of that also was to be like f you rebellious you know, in his face yeah. and i'm like yeah, because I was like, are you kidding me? And then it was so like, I was all stressed about the MS. And then him like, oh, looks like you're stuck with me. And then I'm like, no, you ain't stuck with anybody. Like, I did have enough like self-respect for myself to be like, fuck you. Like, I am not going to stay with somebody who treats me like a piece of property and is going to use my, you know, MS to keep me here. Like, that's not... A healthy relationship and so I was always just gone you know that's I was traveling a lot for softball too because that was the other thing I'm like rather other than buying my big truck I was like how long am I going to be able to play softball for yeah. you know or how long am I going to be able to play my football for and so I was jumping on any opportunity I could to go play in these softball tournaments and it, I mean being in Utah it's still cold in February and December so then I was traveling to Vegas I was traveling to Arizona I was going you know I played a couple tournaments in Florida you know and yeah I remember I tried to get, I tried to get all of that stuff out of my system while I could I remember seeing you on your Facebook or even just talking to you about what your weekend plans every weekend. Damn it. You were some new place in Utah playing a softball tournament. <laughs> well, I'm going down <laughs> South here. I'm going up North here. I'm going out of state yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's my, my best, my, but the funnest ones were always going to like Wyoming. Cause I'm like, yeah, we'll stop, get a couple cakes and <laughs> we'd like pregame in the parking lot, you know, do jello shots. And then, and then I'd get so tore up, I wasn't even able to play a game because <laughs> I was like, I can't play softball drunk. Like, yeah, I it know. was, yeah. I mean, it was fun, but I was like, it was just my stress reliever, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, everyone has an outlet. When, when did you start having to actually have like treatment 
for this disease? Because I know that you do certain regiments now. Mm-hmm. So I started November um, when my second opinion doctor agreed with it. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, like before that, so in when I went to the hospital, I was a week straight on steroids. And then I think I went in three or four months after that to get another dose of steroids. And then I didn't do any treatment. And the steroids just helped me regain the the filling in my foot and helped my face come back from drooping. Um, so that's all that was doing. Um, I didn't actually start getting treatments for the prevention of my MS getting worse until I think it was December was my first one of 20. What was it? 2016. So really? So what, what is it that you are getting done that helps prevent the MS? Cause the MS is like lesions on your brain and things like that. Right. Yep. Yeah. So they're just like scars on your brain. So I, uh, I get an infusion done every five weeks right now. So it's just an IV in a drip bag. Um, I'm usually there five to six hours. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, but before that, I had to like trial and error. I was, I've been on like four different MS medications. And so, I mean, there's different, different medications. Like before they were all like pill form, mm-hmm. which is, it's so much more convenient because when I go in to get my infusion, like I have to miss a day of work. And then, you know, of course with any medication, there's all these side effects. So, you know, like, I try to get them done on a Friday because after I get them, you know, about eight hours after I'm like done for the whole weekend. Like it makes me so sick. Like all I want to do is lay down and sleep and Just it takes... kind of makes you feel like, yeah, it t- takes everything out of you. It almost feels like the flu, you know, other than like vomiting, like just like the drogginess and like the muscle, you know, like the weakness and, and the, is it like an auto because MS is more like a your body overreacting, right? Or yeah, something so it's like, like yeah. So what it does is it, it actually your immune system is attacking your um, like your brain cells and that. And I don't, I don't, and... I don't dig too much. Yeah, yeah, I don't dig too much into it because it freaks me out. Because I'm like, I hear all these horror stories of you know what can potentially happen and yeah you're, you're the opposite trying to stay of away from it all together yeah yeah like, i would nope. be living on webmd every day like what 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 um so it's but, funny it's funny you say that sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no, you're but fine. when when i was in the hospital that was the first that was what they told me the worst thing that you could do is go online on webmd and try to research your like you know these symptoms because it's like it's gonna tell you you have cancer and you're gonna die next week and yeah. so it's really like i still don't go on that but <laughs> like you just saying that made me like it reminded me of that doctor telling me that yeah i know every i feel bad for um i just barely got a new primary care physician mine had just recently retired and walking into my new one's office, I just told him straight up, I'm going to be one of the worst patients you've ever had. And I apologize <laughs> in advance because I'm relatively healthy, but I think everything is killing me. <laughs> so I know, I remember. <laughs> instead of being a doctor, you're more of a therapist just reassuring me that I'm not going to die tomorrow. <laughs> right. Oh, that is so funny. So you get these infusions and they make you feel like crap every five weeks. 
Yep. Every five weeks. Sometimes I can talk them into pushing it every six weeks. Like I'll just tell them like, Hey, I, uh, I know I'm supposed to get it done in five weeks, but I got a softball tournament. I got to go to, like, I can't miss <laughs> it. Like my team relies on me. <laughs> They're like, we'll push it out one week, but this is not like, we're not doing this all the time. And I'm like, I know I understand. So every once in a while I can get my six week push out. But, but has this kept your, um, this treatment, you said you went through trial and error, but the treatment you're mm-hmm. on now, has that helped keep your MS pretty? Because me meeting you on the street, not knowing a lick about you, I would never guess that you had MS at all. So it right. must be doing something for you because I've met other people with MS to where I'm like, there is something wrong with this individual. And then you learn through speaking with them that they have MS and they're very debilitated. Right. Yeah, it actually, it's, it's helped me quite a bit. So since I've been on it, um, I, cause I have to go in for MRIs every six months, mm-hmm. you know, just to check my brain lesions, see pretty much what's going on with them. And, um, not my last, um, or not my last MRI, but the one before that, they actually came back to me and was like, your brain lesions are improving. Oh, and I'm wow. like, how is that possible? Because when I had read up on it, it was once you have them, there's no reversing it, you know? So I was like, how is that possible? So then it kind of put me into, well, maybe I don't have MS, you know, like mm-hmm. it kind of reverted me back to like, oh, so like, cause there are so many people who get misdiagnosed because like you had said, like the symptoms are so spread, like one person having MS is not the same for everybody. You know, the symptoms are so different for everybody. So I'm like, well, maybe I don't have it because how is it possible for my brain lesions to improve? Mm -hmm. Right. But then once I lost my health insurance just last summer, I did not get treated for eight months. And so for me to get, they call it a reset, you know, for me to like get reset and to start getting infused again, I had to go in and I had to get an MRI done. I had to get my blood work done. And when my MRI came back, I actually had three new brain lesions. So just being off of it within that eight months has, you know, I went from my brain lesions improving to having three new ones. So now that I'm like, as big as a pain in the butt it is to take a day off of work and like go sit at this clinic because it's right, it's right next to the hospital. So it's just kind of like a sister building to the hospital. I'm like, you know, sit in the, sit in this building for, you know, five, six hours every five weeks. I was like, it's really paying off. It really is. So. Yeah. Cause it's keeping, it seems like it's keeping you in a position where your life is actually manageable, livable, and you're not, um, seeing like your symptoms progress into worse symptoms. Right. Yep. And I did, I did have a relapse. Um, when was it? Um, this was January. So I want to say in November I had a relapse and I didn't get it treated because you can't get it treated if you are sick. And this was when like that upper respiratory nasty stuff was going around. So I'm like, I would get, so you, you couldn't have a cough or a fever for two weeks to get your steroid. Right. Is that and because so, it diminishes your, uh, mm-hmm. immune system? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they wouldn't let me get it until I was two weeks 
you know, symptom free. And then, so I'd go like five days and then I would get it again. And so I'm like, Oh my God. So I never, I never really got my relapse. Um, like I never got it taken care of really. So, I mean, I kind of still have issues with that. But... When you say relapse, like, was that symptoms coming back? Like mm-hmm. loss of feeling yeah. in the foot and stuff? Yeah. But this time it was in my shoulder. So if you have it, sometimes when you have relapses, which is just an MS flare up mm-hmm. really, um, it can affect different parts of your body. So I have never had any issues with, with my right arm. So it was in my shoulder. Um, and then it kind of like worked its way down all the way to my fingertips. Mm-hmm. And that lasted for almost three months. Oh God. Just the yeah, tingly so, feeling. Yes. It was like that dull throbbiness. Like, you know, when you get like punched in the arm, you have like that dead oh, arm. Yeah. That was literally from the top of my shoulder all the way down to my wrist and then my fingertips they were just like tingly oh god yeah so that was that was really bad and then it then it affected my work you know because i'm like how do you drive you know and at this point like i'm driving the school bus still like you can't drive this big vehicle with only one arm and i couldn't pull like the emergency brake you know to secure the bus for student loads like I couldn't do any of that. Yeah. And then, and I just started this job in August. And so I'm like, oh my God, like, am I going to get fired because of my, you know, because of my relapse? And, and I had just barely started getting my infusions back. So I just got health insurance back. And so I think, and like, I think just stressing about everything is what really caused my relapse. But then when I went in and they did my reset, um, they came back two weeks after that and was like, we need you to go into the hospital and have a spinal tap done because we think you have PML, which PML is a, it's a, it could be a side effect from our medication that we take, like Mm -hmm. our our infusions. And it is a fatal brain disease. Oh God. And there is no way of treating it. So if you are diagnosed with PML, you usually have, between six and 18 months left to live. Like so, that is it. Have you got the results back from this? Uh... I I did. I got them back a couple of weeks ago and I am cleared from it. Oh, My numbers God. were not high enough to be yeah, positive for it, but that was scary. Like that is the first time since being diagnosed where I was like legitimately like scared of dying again. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, no, and that's the thing. I'm like, Fast forward all this time, now my baby at that time is old enough to understand, like, what kind of a what's going on. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. how am I going to explain this to my little kid? You yeah. know, I'm like, she is eight years old. How am I going to explain to an eight-year-old that her mom's going to die? So, and then, and then I just, like, had to sit back, you know, and I'm like, I'm not going to worry about it. And, like, me, like, I'm an overthinker. And as much as I don't worry about things... I worry about the wrong things, yeah. you know? And so like the things that are like out of my control. And so I'm like, I'm just going to try really hard not to worry about it until I know for sure if it's a positive or a negative. And then at that time, you know, we'll go from there and worry about it. So, but I mean, it took them like six weeks to get my results back. Cause it was just like this huge runaround. So I went in and got my spinal tap done. Right. And the next day the hospital called me and they were like, or no. Okay. Sorry. Forget that part. Okay. So (laughs) my, my MS clinic calls me and they're like, Hey, you need to go get a spinal tap done because 
were afraid that you had PML. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay. And I was supposed to go in for an infusion the next day. And they were like, you cannot infuse until you get this done. Because if we infuse and you have it, it can make it worse. Yeah. Because like, okay. the body can't fight it off at all. Cause you're suppressing exactly. your. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. And they're like, but we're hoping that you can go get it done tomorrow instead of coming in for your infusion. Cause you already have, you know, some time off of work. Well, when I get my infusions, I've been setting them up for 12 o'clock so I can go to work my first half of the day and then take the second half, get that done and then go home. Mm -hmm. Right. But with your spinal tap, like you cannot drive for the next 12 hours. Yeah. Like you're supposed to get it done and then you lay on your back. Like they want you laying on your back as much as possible for 24 hours. Oh, God. right. And so, yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'll call the hospital or they were supposed to call me. So two days passed and they like the hospital never calls me to set up the spinal tap. Well, I got a call from my MS clinic and they were like, Hey, we saw that you went and got your spinal tap done. Thank you for doing that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know who went and got their spinal tap done, but it wasn't me. <laughs> so like, I don't know how, like all of, you know, this person got under my name. Like I have no idea, you know, but they were like, wait, you didn't get your spinal tap done. So it was like this huge like mess. And so I'm like trying to call these people and like getting stuff set up and they're like no you already got it done i'm like no i didn't like i hate needles so damn bad why would why i would i want to go get a spinal tap done again <laughs> and it's painful like my back still hurts from this damn thing yeah like, what the hell <laughs> you know yeah and like well i don't know like the spinal tap needle they use is the same needle that they use for epidural oh, but God. instead of instead of like giving you medication you know to like numb your legs or whatever the hell yeah they they actually pull spinal fluid out between your vertebrae. Yeah. And it's painful and it hurts like hell. And so I was like, why would I want to go get that done twice? Like, you know, and so long story short, like I finally go and get it done and, and they're like, Hey, it will take about, you know, two to four days for your lab results to come back. And you don't hear from your, from the hospital, you know, give them a call. And I'm like, okay. So I waited a week, give them a call. And they're like, oh, we don't, we don't see any notes of you getting it done. And I'm like, what? I'm like, are you kidding me? You're like, first you guys were arguing with me that I got it done when I didn't, and now you can't find it? Yeah. I was like pissed. And, and then they were like, somebody called me back like two days later, like, oh, look, it looks like um, when they pulled your spinal fluid, they actually did the wrong test. <laughs> and I'm like, What? Yeah. And so I was like, who the fuck does that? Like, I was so pissed. Yeah. Right? And then, well, I think like, so this happened the first week in December, right? So I went and got my spinal tap done on a Friday. Well, that next Saturday, we had the pub crawl in Park City, which is just like bar hopping for a charity event. Like you bring a toy mm -hmm. and it's a toy drive. Like it's this fun thing. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I almost missed my pub crawl for this. And it was, it was such a mess, but that's... So I like call this, I call this, this nurse like every single day for a week. And she's like, I'll call you back. I'll call you back. And dude, the last time I talked to her, I like lost my shit. Cause I was like, how am I supposed to know if I'm dying or not when you guys can't even do your goddamn job. Right. And like, and you know, like, that's not how I am. Yeah. Know? Like I never freak out on people cause I'm like, I get it. Like it's a team effort, you know, like you can't control what these lab people like tested for or whatever, but I, I'm like, it is like, 
there's no reason why you can't be calling me back. Like you're just leaving me in the dark. So then I talked to another nurse the next day who actually called me with my test results and was like, you know, it's negative. So I was like telling her all about this. And she was like, oh, that's really strange because there's no notes of this in your account at all or in your file at all. And I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, this is bullshit. So that was like this whole like three months worth of stress. Like, Oh, was- yeah. It's kind of like that movie. Have you ever seen that movie? God bless America. Yeah. Where he gets the the doctors like, you're dying of brain cancer. So he goes on a shooting spree and starts killing all these people and everything. And then goes and sees his doctor again. And he's like, I uh, misdiagnosed you. I gave you someone else's file. Yeah, I do go for real. Because I was like, I think I flat out told this other nurse. I talked, I'm like, I don't know what poor person doesn't know what the hell is going on with them. But you might want to find out and let them know. Because this is ridiculous. Yeah. But it like literally almost put me into another midlife crisis. I'm like, wait, do I need to go buy another truck? Oh, like, yeah, I bet. Because <laughs> you're actually super not saying you weren't responsible before. But when I learned that you sold your truck, I was like, oh, she's becoming a very conservative person. She's driving a fuel economy vehicle. <laughs> Which, by the way, I hate. I bitch about my truck all the time. I still have the picture that you took of my truck still hanging <laughs> up in my garage. Like, oh, I dream about it all the time. Like, why did I get rid of my truck? Rich hears about it all the time. Oh, I like, bet. Do you, don't worry, I'll have, get another Have you uh, seen it anywhere on the road? Ever? No. Uh, thank God. Yeah, that would probably would, send like, you a titty. <laughs> I re- well, you know how I was with my truck. Like, I love that thing more than people. No, like, I, I totally get it. Because when I sold one of my Mustangs, I went into instant regret. I sold my Mustang and got this the smart, economical Honda CRV, And then... Like, your grandma car? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like... Yeah. I was probably six months later, my Mustang, what, which is now this person's Mustang, pulled up next to me. And I was like, oh, I miss that car so much. Right? <laughs> well, the neighborhood where I'm working at now, um, I see my brother's old truck all the time. And I'm like, dude, I'm glad that's his truck and not mine because yeah. I'd be like, yeah, so what do I need to do to buy this truck back from you? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, like, right before I got rid of it, like... I upgraded my turbo, so then I had to, like, redo, like, my headers and my injectors, and I put remote start on it, and I had heated seats, so I'm like, I put all this money and time into it, and then my dumbass sells it. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't <laughs> say that's dumb. It was... I mean, the way gas prices are right now, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it was a good decision. Because that, that was a diesel, right? Yeah. 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 Diesel is through the roof. You probably would be spending, I don't know, what were you spending to fill that thing up back in the day? Uh, it was probably about $125 a month. Cause I got surprisingly like my truck, I got pretty good gas mileage. Like, when, when you I wanted was, to. Yeah. When I wasn't driving it like an asshole. Yeah. Remember, but, <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know, I'm like, I just want to hear my turbo through my exhaust. Like that is such like the boy side of me. It's not even funny, but yeah, I was getting, I was getting like 31 miles to the gallon, like with my chips and stuff, you know? So I mean, I'm only getting three more miles in my car. The only thing is, is it's only cost me $30 to put gas in my car. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, it would be a lot to drive right now. So looking forward into the future, is there, I mean, MS is something that you're basically, the version you're diagnosed with, it doesn't ever go away, right? You're pretty much stuck with that? Stuck with it for the rest of my life. Does that bother you at all or have you just learned to adjust and live life to the fullest? 
you know, it doesn't bother me anymore, but I think the biggest part with that was coming from Chris who always used it against me and Mm -hmm. like told me almost on a daily basis, how messed up I was as a person and how, you know, like nobody will ever love me because of it. Like finding somebody who embraces me for me and doesn't see me as a walking disability, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's, that's helped me overcome a lot of that. I mean, I try to live life to the fullest. I try to make each day count, you know, but then I also got to like sit back and realize like if I overwork my body, then I'm going to have a relapse. I'm going to be spending a week or two in the hospital, you know? So I got to, I'm still learning like my limits on managing stress. mm -hmm. Yeah. Stress. I mean, I can't do heat. So like, hiking you know in the summer is a very difficult thing for me to do because my body overheats so fast that it's i can't i can't do it you know so so there's there's certain activities you can't do anymore then Mm -hmm. yeah and that's gonna be hard for you because you're one of those people that no we're gonna go do it (laughs) yeah well i'm like when it's that hot like if it's over 85 i just i take my kids swimming like we have a swimming pool you know at our house there so I'm just like, hey, we're just going to spend the day at the swimming pool. You know, we'll, we can go hiking when it's cool. not over 80 degrees. And and with her, she's like, no, mom, but you promised. And I was like, I know, but like, like she doesn't understand it all the way, you know? So that's, that's really hard to like try to be, make these plans. Because like you said, like, I like to be outdoor and we like to hike and we like to camp and fish and, you know, do all the things. Like we have a Jeep, so we try to take the tops off and. Mm-hmm. But it's hard when it's when it's so hot outside that it just it's not doable. Because so I'm like, if we do this, it's going to be fun for the you know the hour or two that we're doing it. But then, like the flip side, it's not worth spending all this time in the hospital because now I have to recover, like recoup from it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the repercussions from the activities yeah. are a lot more yeah. uh, stringent on you, and well. That sucks, but it's good that you've come to that realization and that you're taking care of yourself in that way to prevent that. Yeah, well, it took me a while. Like, (laughs) this last summer, we went to Mexico and we hiked up to, like, this uh, lighthouse in Mazalon. Dude, it was only, like, 85 degrees, but the humidity, like, it was so bad. Like, I legit almost passed out on the trail. Oh, really? And that's when I was... So I was like, okay, like I had like these little ice rags I had on my neck to try to like bring my body temperature down. And I was like, holy shit, like I thought I knew my limits and I, you know, was just trying to push it. So my kid was like, come on, mom, let's go. And there's like no shade. And so I'm like, yeah, that was a limit that lived like almost landed me in the hospital in Mexico. Like that's not where I want to be in the hospital. Yeah, no, I can totally understand that. Um your work's obviously working with you now, so that's really cool because they're providing you time and things to do your infusions, right? Yeah, so that was one of, like, my negotiations when they offered me, you know, like, my supervisor position mm-hmm. is I'm like, well, you guys realize, like, I have to take a day off of work every other, you know, pretty much every five weeks to get my infusions. And they were like, well, with this, like, you're not going to have to drive. You can take it off, take your laptop. You can work while you're getting them done. You won't have to take sick time. So I think I finally found somebody who, like, appreciates the things that I can do. And they're willing to work 
with me without taking all my sick time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That that sounds like you have a good support system, not only uh, from the work side, but in the relationship side as well, because not a lot of people have that, like you were mentioning earlier. Um, you see so many people when their significant other gets sick or diagnosed with something, either they're jumping on the affair train and they're out there screwing around doing things like that, mm-hmm. or they're straight up, well, I don't want to deal with this for the rest of my life, and they leave them or guilt them and things of that nature. And same with employment. Like, I don't think people realize how unsafe their jobs are, you know? Like, you are just, to a lot of these employers, a number. And once you become that, oh, you're diagnosed with this, we'll see you later, you know? Yeah, or they try to, like, force you out, push Mm -hmm. you out. Yeah, because I guess they have the discrimination and all that that they, they technically can't do, or I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, I don't know how any of that works, but employers will always find a little way to force you out or do something, They, you know, all these yeah. little loopholes. So it's good to hear that you actually have that that support to where you are able to live a halfway decent life and not have to worry. Because that's another thing, if you lose your job, and like I have a, you know, uh, Andrew at our work, I'm always talking to him, and because he's a diabetic and I'm like, what happens if you lose insurance? And he's told me like how much insulin prices are and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's insane. So you, yeah. if you don't have a job, you have a death sentence because yeah. you can't afford your so insulin. Was, yeah. That was when I wasn't getting my infusions. Like the lady asked me, um, one of the doctors at my, my clinic, she was like, why haven't you been coming in and getting it? And I was like, because I can't afford $32,000 every five weeks. Because if you don't have insurance, that is how much one of my infusions costs, you know? And then she was mad because she was like, no, no, no. Like we have these assistant programs. And I'm like, well, like I've never been in this situation. Nobody told me about it. Cause I gave them a heads up before, like when I was losing my job, mm-hmm. you know, I had a couple months and I told them, I was like, Hey, this is my last infusion I can get because after this month, I don't have health insurance. And they were like, well, the nurse I talked to was like, okay, just let us know when you get health insurance. Oh, and I God. think she was like, I think she was a new nurse. I mean, their turnaround oh, okay. on nurses is like huge, a lot. Yeah. But I was just like, what? So then when I'm like, doctor called, I told her, I was like, you guys, I told you guys I was losing health insurance. And then she got mad. She was like, I don't know who you talk to. She was like, but we have assistant programs to help people who don't have health insurance. And then I told her, I was like, then it kind of makes me feel bad because I know that assistance is coming from like taxpayer money. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't want to be that person. And she was like, no, she was like, it's cause like Biogen is like the creator of my infusion, like mm-hmm. the medication. And she was like, no, they actually like donate it. And oh, I was wow. like, Oh, I was like, Okay. Well, it's a company. You know, Screw them. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, oh, okay. I, I get that. I, okay. But it is like, it, it is expensive to treat, you know, medical conditions if you don't have health insurance. And, and a lot of people choose not to, which in my case turned into a way bigger problem than, or, you know, a bigger issue. Yeah. Because I wasn't getting treated. Yeah. I remember I used to um, talk with this uh, gentleman all the time when I was working another job. Um, he worked at a gas station, didn't have health insurance through the gas station or anything like that. And he was a diabetic. So he had to go 
um, get his uh, medication through some state-sponsored program or something downtown where he'd have to go wait in line at a clinic, and hopefully they had enough. And I remember talking to him about he would, like, ration his insulin, and I was like, that is so scary, man, because you're playing around with your your life. That's, that's the one thing that I'm like with Western medicine and living in America, I'm like, there's gotta be a better system that we can get into helping people because you look at how much money these pharmaceutical companies make. Yeah. And all these pharmaceutical companies exist in other countries and they're making profits there, but they're literally like raping us here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, I have, I had a neighbor like when I was living with my parents their neighbor, she would go to Mexico to buy bottles of insulin. Oh, really? She was like, yeah, it it's like $8 a bottle. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of scary, though. But then again, I'm like, but when you absolutely need it, like if it's like a matter of life and death, you're mm-hmm. going to do what you feel like you need to do to, yeah, you know, to get survive. it. And that's, she was like, it's cheaper for me to make a trip down to Mexico once every month to get a month's you know, worth of insulin and bring it back than it is for me to go try to buy it through a pharmacy without insurance here. I'm like, wow. Like, it's crazy. Like you said, it's crazy. Like the markup that we have here in our pharmacies are, it's insane. Yeah, I know. I just, um, I got a letter from my insurance stating that my current pharmacy I'm using is going out of network. And then it showed the price of the medication without insurance. Yeah, because they weren't going to support it. I was like, oh, I got to find one that's in network. And none of them are in network around me. I literally have to use like some out of state pharmacy that ships my medication in now. Oh my God. Which I'm like, what the hell? Or I go drive up to like North Salt Lake. I'm like, I'm not going to North Salt Lake. So just come, come visit me. Just come visit me. We'll make a, we'll make a, like a lunch date out hey, of it or hey, something. I, Bring I, Lacey. Yeah. It's like, I got my 90 day medication refill. I'll see you. <laughs> right. So Let me pick it up for you. I'm in North Salt Lake every day. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause that's where you're working out at North Salt Lake now, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, I want to thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story of working through um, your diagnosis, especially getting diagnosed so young. I think it. I think a lot of people that are younger take their health for granted. Um, I was talking with someone about this a little while ago because I had um, back problems in my early 20s. Never thought mm-hmm. I'd have back problems. And now I still have them to this day because of this event. Although through therapies and stuff, I've learned to mitigate them quite a bit but i'm like we take our health for granted so much that when we don't have it we're like hey wait what i'm i'm not healthy like this doesn't happen to me (laughs) right yeah well because that's even like most of the time you hear of like these health issues in older people Mm -hmm. you know like that's usually like when it comes to light is when you're older and so yeah when it happens to younger people you're like no, this can't be happening to me. Like it's not a normal thing, even though like it is though. I just, just don't think like either people just ignore it or, you know, I know with MS, I mean, it was a really hard thing to diagnose, like to get diagnosed with. Um, Like the people in my extended family, like both of them were not diagnosed with MS until they were in their sixties. Wow. Which is why like they're, they're wheelchair bound. Like they're. Oh, cause they weren't getting the treatments you were. Yeah, yeah. Doctors were guessing it was other things and other things. And mm-hmm. then, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so everyone out there, if you're healthy right now, keep doing what you have to do to stay healthy 
and appreciate those healthy days because not only is it something that can happen to the young, but guess what? We're all going to get old unless you get hit by a car or die of something. You're going to become aged and you're going to have those problems. I just got done not too long ago doing a podcast with, you remember Jim, Jim Platt, JW? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he just turned 90. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know he was still around. Yeah, he's still alive, dude. He's oh sharp God. and witty as all get out and he gets around <laughs> pretty well for a 90-year-old. But that was kind of him, too. He's like, you know, I didn't think I'd ever make it to this age. And he's a hilarious guy. But, I used to tease him. I used to tease him all the time. Only the die, only the young could die young. Only the good, <laughs> good die, die young. young. There so, you yeah. go. That's it. I was like, yeah, only the good die young. I used to tell him that like on a weekly. He's like, shut up. I'm like, I know. You know I love you though. Like, he was that old man you just have to love. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, um, so good. But yeah, um, thanks for coming on and sharing your story with us. So we will catch you guys all later on the flip side. Have a good one and stay healthy and be kind to each other out there.